welcome to the Vineyard Boise Sunday Message Podcast. You can join us live on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. on Facebook, YouTube, and vineyardboise.org slash live. Subscribe to our message podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. And if you'd like to support Vineyard Boise, you can give online at vineyardboise.org slash give. Today's message is brought to you by Pastor Trevor Estes. Enjoy. title this morning's message, Why Christmas Matters, which sort of begs the question, does Christmas matter? I mean, in light of everything going on in the world, in light of tornadoes and pandemics and globally, things that are just rippling across our globe right now, more variants, more conflict, political upheaval, there's just so much going on. And in the middle of that, does Christmas matter? Um, I'm going to suggest it does. Just let (laughs) a little telegraph the end. I'm going to suggest it does, but I want to explore that today. I want to explore that question. I think if we were to, you know, we're gathering as a faith community today. And, uh, And so, of course, as a faith community, we have specific reasons why we think Christmas matters. But Christmas is a moment when the culture and the faith community actually come closer together. These, these streams of, of things that matter, that we're doing together, the culture and, and faith, they come closer together. And so even from a cultural perspective, people would say that Christmas matters. I think you could ask almost any kid in America why Christmas matters, and they would have some answers for you, wouldn't they? Like, in fact, let's just explore a few of those. Like, if you asked a kid in America... Why Christmas matters. You can, if you're online, uh, you can answer this in your, uh, your whatever chat feature you're, you're joining on, whatever uh, platform you're joining from. You can type in an answer there and it may show up on my screen. Um, or if you're on campus, why, why would kids in America say Christmas matters? Santa Claus? Who said the Santa Claus? Yes. Santa Claus. What else goes with Santa? Presents, gifts, elves. Reindeer, Rudolph, Christmas trees. There's all kinds of things. Christmas is a qualifier that all kinds of things come after. You've got Christmas trees, Christmas lights, Christmas cookies, treats. Yes, we'll have some of those out in the hall today. Christmas gifts. Gifts, I've heard gifts like eight times so far, which is like Red Rider BB gun. Carbine action, compass in the stock, right? Or whatever your version of it is this year. You know, the Red Rider BB gun, it kind of morphs what it actually is. It might be an iPhone, but there's always something that's that prize gleaming in the window, right? There's Christmas yard ornaments. Who's pizza? Somebody online has said Christmas pizza. <laughs> that's a tradition I've not heard of before. Our family, we do, we do Chinese food the, the Sunday after Thanksgiving when we decorate the house. Our tradition is we do Chinese food in accordance with the prophecy. Um, <laughs> Christmas yard ornaments. I'm pretty sure that if you ask my neighbor why Christmas matters, he would say because of the yard decorations, obviously. I shudder to think what his electric bill is going to be like in January. What else? There's luminaries, which is a New Mexico tradition. That's from online. 
Movies, Christmas, yes, Christmas movies. And they're so well done, the quality. (laughs) Right? My, My daughter has a tradition. She and her best friends get together during the Christmas season and they watch cheesy Christmas movies and mock them mercilessly. Matching pajamas, yes. Christmas spirit. Okay, we're going to do one more. Reindeer food with kids. I don't know if that was one answer or two. Reindeer food with kids. You know, yesterday we had our Christmas party here, and Don Dutcher and I were standing out front, and we were kind of looking at the traffic situation, and there was a, a deer walking down the road. We're like, we come over here. It's part of the party. One more answer in, online. Christmas stockings, yes, or Christmas socks, if, if you happen to have a pair, which I have a few. So um, I think there's a lot of answers. And you, you know what? There's a lot of stuff, and, and I, I'm not, I love, I, I'm a Christmas guy. I love Christmas. There's, there's all that stuff, and then there's the, the, just the fact that we intentionally, as a culture, this is not just a faith thing, as a culture, we intentionally make time to spend time with friends, with family, with extended family that we don't see all the time. That's, that's a good thing. That's a rich thing. That matters. Uh, we, we're intentionally generous. People, uh, regardless of their faith perspective, are more intentionally generous around the holidays. People look for opportunities to be generous to others. So those are good things. But when we ask it from a faith perspective, and we switch to the lenses from from culture to faith, why does Christmas matter? And and that's what I want to to probe at that a little bit and explore that this morning, because I want to suggest it does. And I want to leave here with us having a chance to have have really anchored into Christmas matters. Okay? So to begin with, why is it that all over the globe, followers of Jesus will celebrate this day that commemorates the birth of a child some 2,000 years ago. This is, not just, this is not just happening, well, it's not quite, quite Christmas yet, but on December 24th and 25th, around the globe, people of faith will, will come together to celebrate the birth of a baby 2,000 years ago. Do you have any idea how many children have been born since Jesus' birth and today? I think about that. Because it's, it's kind of amazing that we celebrate this one. The, the population at the time that Jesus was born, the population of the whole world, was less than the population of the U.S. today. And so literally billions of people have been born, have lived, have made their mark on history, have died. And yet there's this one that we celebrate. And do you know that, that we don't actually know? Children, close your ears. We don't actually know that Jesus was born on December 25th, right? That's, that, you can look Matthew, Mark, and Luke. You can look at all the, the places that tell the story of Jesus' birth. None of them pinpoint the date as December 25th. It wasn't actually until the fourth century that followers of Jesus became interested in trying to pinpoint a date so that there would be an annual time to circle back to, to, to celebrate the, the birth. So it wasn't until the fourth century. So I don't know if they got it right. They might have. Like, statistically speaking, they've got like a, what, a one in 365 chance, which that's not bad odds. I'd buy a lottery ticket for that odds, right? What else? Why does it matter that a baby boy was conceived by an unwed teen girl 
in an obscure and occupied, meaning a, a conquered province of the Roman Empire 2,000 years ago. Anyone want to venture a guess how many unwed teen pregnancies have happened in the last 2,000 years? I, I can't, I won't even try to answer that question, but I can answer this one. How many of those unwed teen pregnancies are remembered and celebrated every single year by people of faith across the globe? Zero. None of them are celebrated every year. Why does it matter that this unwed teen would later say that an angelic messenger from God came to announce her pregnancy and to tell her that the child she would carry would be the very son of God? Does it matter that she claimed her pregnancy was, was not the result of a human relationship or DNA, but was the result of a supernatural act of God? Does it matter that that, that would make her child both human and divine? I wonder what the 23andMe scientists would do with that. If they could get, if they could get a hold of that genetic testing, what would that look like? That's, that's got to be mind-boggling. Does it matter that the only people to pay any attention to his actual birth at the, on, on the actual first Christmas were a few local shepherds? Shepherds, agricultural workers, very common people, working out in, 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 who claimed that messengers appeared to them and told them to go see this baby whose birth was good news for the whole world. And yet, there was no press there. There was no media coverage. There was no, there was no uh, scrolling news crawl that night across people's televisions. There was no royal baby watch. Which if there was ever a royal baby watch, that should have been one, right? There were no wise men, by the way. <laughs> wise men exist. They were not there that night. They must be in the East. Right? Does it matter that that boy grew up to become a Jewish rabbi? A spiritual teacher with an itinerant, itinerant teaching and healing ministry that lasted less than three years. That's, that's not a long ministry. Less than three years. Do you know that Jesus spent the vast majority of those three years of public ministry not traveling around the globe and hitting all of the major metropolitan markets trying to reach those places of great population density? He spent most of it confined to a rural part of northern Israel with towns that averaged from a few hundred to at the most a few thousand people. In fact, most of his ministry was spent in villages and towns just around the northern tip of the Sea of Galilee, going back and forth in a circuit that would fit in between Boise and Nampa. That's not a big scope. He never had followers on TikTok or Instagram. He never had his own YouTube channel. It's lack of foresight. He never sent a tweet. He had no blue check mark on his Twitter profile. So how in the world did this rabbi become such an influencer? Here we are today remembering and celebrating his birthday, his arrival in our world. A little boy born to a teen mom in an insignificant town in a small nation in an unimportant corner of the Roman Empire. So why did the birth that we celebrate today as Christmas, why did that matter? Here's what I would suggest. 
Christmas matters because Jesus told his closest followers that the reason he had come was not just to be born, but that he had come to die. To offer up his life in order to bring freedom, life, reconciliation, forgiveness with God to many. Here's what that means. That means that Jesus' birth matters because of Jesus' death. It means that his death matters because of his resurrection. It means that Christmas matters because of what we know as Easter, Resurrection Sunday. Christmas only matters because the deepest purpose of Jesus' incarnation, which is Jesus' incarnation is is God putting on human flesh and entering into our world, which is bookended by the birth and by the death and resurrection. The only reason that that matters was fulfilled not Christmas Eve in the darkness of Bethlehem. It was fulfilled Easter morning in the darkness of an empty tomb. That brings us to our text today. We're going to be in the final chapter of Mark. We've been working our way through the gospel of Mark today. Actually brings us to the final chapter, which is Mark chapter 16. Uh, To be there today, we're not going to to turn there in our, our Bibles or open your apps. Uh, we're not going to show it on the screen here. Instead, we're going to listen to a, uh, an oral presentation of this from our own Rihanna Freeman, uh, who has been, over the last two years, committing the book of Mark to memory. She's allowed it to be inscribed on her mind and her heart. Um, so as we pick up today, uh, let me just give you the background. Jesus, it, it's Friday evening of Passover when we last left off. When we left off last Sunday, it was Friday evening of Passover. Jesus had died at 3 p.m. on Friday. And some of his followers had hastily placed his body in a tomb before sundown when the Sabbath began. Sabbath began when the sun went down. That's when the new day, one day was over and the new day began. And so they had to hastily bury his body without doing the proper treatments before sundown. As we resume, it's now just past dawn on Sunday which means that Jesus' body has been in the tomb for three days, not according to the way we think about time, but according to the Jewish reckoning of time. He'd been in the tomb part of Friday, all of Saturday, and part of Sunday. So that's the three days. As we pick up at its sunrise on Easter morning. Saturday evening, when the Sabbath had ended, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James and Salmone, went out and purchased burial spices so they could anoint Jesus' body. Very early Sunday morning, just at sunrise, they went out to the tomb. On their way to the tomb, they were asking each other, who will roll away the stone for us from the entrance to the tomb? But as they arrived, they looked up and saw that the stone, which was very large, had already been rolled aside. When they went into the tomb, they saw a young man clothed in a white robe. And they were shocked. The angel of the Lord said to them, Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. You are looking for Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. But he's not here. He's risen. Look, this is where they laid his body. Now go and tell the disciples, including Peter, that he is going ahead of you into Galilee. You will see him there just as he told you before he died. 
The women fled from the tomb, trembling and bewildered. And they said nothing to anyone because they were so frightened. So that's where the book of Mark abruptly ends. But the question is, how does the gospel end? You see, one ancient voice says that the gospel ends like this, that the women went and briefly reported all of this to Peter and his companions. And then Jesus himself sent them east to the west with the message, the sacred and unfailing message of salvation and eternal life. Amen. Is that how it ended? Maybe. Because another ancient voice says that this is how the book of Mark ended. He said, on Sunday morning, after Jesus had risen from the dead, the very first person to see him was Mary Magdalene. She was a woman who he had cast out seven demons from. She went and told the disciples what she had seen. Um, but the disciples who were weeping and grieving when they heard that, that, she, that Jesus was alive and that she had seen him, they didn't believe her. Afterwards, Jesus appeared in another form to some of his followers who were coming out of Jerusalem to the countryside. They rushed back and told everyone what they had seen, but no one believed them either. Eventually, Jesus appeared to the 11 disciples as they were gathered and eating a meal. And he rebuked them because of their stubborn unbelief, because they refused to believe anyone who had said that they had seen him after he was raised from the dead. Then he said this to them, go out into the world and preach the good news to everyone. Go and preach to everyone and anyone who believes is going to be saved and have eternal life. And anyone who doesn't believe is going to be condemned. And the, those who believe will have miraculous signs with them. They will cast out demons in my name. They're going to um, they, so they're going to cast out demons in my name. They're going to be able to hold snakes without being harmed. They're going to, um, if they drink something that is full of poison, no harm will come to them. And when they heal, when they lay their hands on the sick, they are going to be healed. When Jesus was finished talking with them, he was taken up to heaven and he sat in the place of honor at the right hand of God. Then the disciples went out preaching everywhere and God, the Lord worked through them and they performed many miraculous signs to confirm what they were saying. So is that how it ended? Possibly, but maybe, just maybe the most important ending is one that we're living now as we finish composing the story. So say we all. Thank you, Rihanna.
why Christmas matters. Christmas matters because Jesus was not just wrapped in swaddling clothes and laid in a manger. He was also wrapped in a linen shroud and laid in a tomb. Christmas matters because Jesus' followers who went to visit that tomb on sunrise at Sunday, planning to wash his battered body and anoint it for burial, they did not find what they were expecting. Instead, they found that linen shroud cast aside, emptied, emptied of the body at once encased. Christmas matters because Jesus did not stay in the tomb but was instead resurrected to eternal life with a body that will never again experience disease, decay, or death. One of the questions of Christmas is, what what if his experience could one day become the experience of others? Christmas matters because angels did not just announce his birth, They were sent again to announce his resurrection. The good news proclaimed by by those angels uh, to the shepherds, they said, good news, glad tidings of great joy will be for all people. It was told in two parts. That was part one. In Bethlehem, the message, the good news was that he's here. But at the tomb on Easter, the good news was he's not here. It matters because their message was that Jesus was crucified and he has risen. Christmas matters because the first witness sent to tell others was a woman. It was a woman with a checkered spiritual history, as as Rihanna shared with us, whose gender already made her testimony inadmissible in her first century culture. Now, don't throw rocks at me. I'm not talking about my beliefs, my values. I'm talking about first century culture. In first century culture, even in a legal environment, a woman's testimony was not considered admissible. It was considered unreliable. They were considered over-medicated. And their, their testimony was not considered trustworthy. Why does that matter? Why does that matter? Because ever since... 2,000 years ago, people have said, you know what? His disciples made up that story because they wanted to perpetuate his ministry. And they assigned all kinds of motives. You know, they, they, they just wanted to perpetuate their, their influence. They wanted the story to go on. They, they couldn't deal with the fact that their, their rabbi had died. And so they, they made up this story about him being alive. Anyone in their culture making up that story would not make up the story that way. You wouldn't have the first witness be a woman. You wouldn't have the disciples running away at the critical juncture when, when, when he was, uh, came to, they came to arrest him in the garden and, and they all fled. You wouldn't tell the story that way. You'd only tell the story the way, that way because that's what really happened. It matters because anyone making up or fabricating a story of a resurrected Jesus would have chosen a more culturally credible eyewitness. In, in, and, and even, you know, as, as Rihanna shares, the, the, the original ending to the book of Mark, you know, there was uh, uh, the, the postscript, and you can read about this in your Bible. Most Bibles will have a, a little footnote that explains the, the short ending of Mark, which is most of the original manuscripts have a, a short ending. And then at some point, 
the church began to add a longer ending that sort of closed it up because it was sort of this unfinished business. And so they, they basically took material that was, it's, it's gospel material from other sources and, and brought it together to create a, a kind of a postscript. But in that abrupt ending, the, the, the women didn't even go out and tell anybody. They were afraid. And, and when they did tell the, the disciples, they didn't believe them. That's not the way you would write the story if you were fabricating it. Christmas matters because over the next 40 days, this resurrected Jesus appeared to over 500 eyewitnesses. Those 500 eyewitnesses could be interviewed throughout their lifetime, and they could testify to what they had seen, what they'd heard, what they'd felt, that they, they touched resurrected Jesus. There's a reason why Jesus said, place your finger in my side, place your, place your, your finger in the, in the holes, touch me, see that I'm real. Give me a piece of fish, I'll eat it. Because he wanted people to see that he was real, that he had a resurrected body. And those people that witnessed him, the 500 people, in addition to, to the disciples and, and the individuals he appeared to, but at one time he appeared to 500 people. And, they, and, and you could interview any of them in the first century and you, they would say, you know, we saw him. We, well, first of all, we saw him crucified. We saw him flogged and beaten he was unrecognizable. We saw him nailed to a tree. We heard him breathe his last breath. We saw his body taken down and buried. And then we touched him. He was alive. There's, there's a reason why, why Paul makes a point in his letter to the Corinthians of emphasizing that because at the time that he wrote that, you could go find those people and you could say, did this really happen? That matters because it hints to the fact that death might not be the final word. Does it matter to you that death in this life is not the final word? I know it does to, to some families here in our church family who've experienced great grief this year. If death is not the last word, that, that matters. Christmas matters because those followers who claimed to have seen resurrected Jesus went on to live the rest of their lives and to die their own deaths in light of what his resurrection means. What do I mean by that? We've, we've talked about this in other contexts, but you know, of the original 12 disciples minus Judas, who's gone now, the, the remaining 11, 10 of the remaining 11 went on to live their whole lives proclaiming that this rabbi they had followed was not just a man, but was in fact the son of God that they had, they had seen him crucified and seen him risen, and that there was forgiveness and new life available in his name, that through believing in him, through putting trust in him, through surrendering your life to him, you could have his life. And they spent the rest of their lives proclaiming that message. And it wasn't just the way they lived their lives, it was also the way they died their death. Because 10 of those 11 were martyred for their belief for their confidence that Jesus was the son of God resurrected from the dead. For their belief in not just Christmas, but in Easter. That at the point of, of their lives being taken from them, saying, renounce your faith, say it's all a hoax, say you made it up, say whatever you want, but renounce it. None of them would do it. Because, because they'd seen that death was not the final word. They could be actually kind of reckless with this life. They could hold this life in an open hand because they knew this wasn't it, that there was more. 
because they no longer fear death. What an amazing thing to say. I have no fear of death. Christmas matters because Jesus is no longer a humble Galilean peasant, rabbi, homeless. He's now restored to his full glory as the son of God, as his disciples briefly glimpsed on the Mount of Transfiguration. This glorified Jesus has promised to confirm the message his followers proclaim with signs in the same way that as Jesus went around during those just under three years of his ministry. And he not only proclaimed the message, but he backed it up with signs. The people could say, you know, this guy's speaking from a place of power and authority. He brought, he brought little down payments of what is to come. He, he healed people. Not permanently, those people still died, but he brought healing into their earthly lives. He brought freedom into their earthly lives. He brought love into their lonely lives. Jesus, he, he backed up his message with signs. And even as Rihanna took us through that final message, he promised to do the same for us. That's why as we gather, we, we pray. We pray for God's kingdom to come and his will to be done here on earth today as it is in heaven. We pray for the sick to be healed. We pray for the oppressed to be, to be given justice. We pray for mercy to break in. We pray for truth. We pray for the kingdom of God to invade our lives today. Because Jesus said he would back their act. It's like as if he said to his disciples and every generation of his disciples, if you do your part, I'll do mine. For Jesus to be seated at the right hand of God means that he's ruling over all of creation as God's agent. Listen, church, today we are not gathered to Remember a prophet whose bones lie somewhere in a cave in the Middle East. We're not gathered at a grave marker. We're gathered to worship the living God who is alive and is sovereign over all creation. The one who spoke it all into existence and the one who can speak new creation life into it once again. That's why we gather to worship. That's why Christmas matters. Amen? And furthermore, God has shown us that his disposition towards mankind through Christmas and Easter, God has shown that his disposition towards us is kindness. It's mercy. It's forgiveness. It's goodness. Christmas matters because Jesus is not the last person to be, for, to be given resurrection life. He's the first. He's the first fruit. So scripture describes Jesus' resurrection, that resurrection body that was the same but different. Like it was recognizable as Jesus when he wanted to be recognized and he also wasn't always recognizable. He wasn't bound to the same laws that, 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 you know, of gravity and time and space. He could appear when he wanted. He could disappear. He, his resurrected body was, was very different. But here's what scripture tells us, that he's the first fruits. What first fruits means in an agricultural society is that when there was to, a harvest was coming, the, the very first part of the harvest was indicative of what the rest of it would be like. So the farmer or the rancher, well, not rancher, the farmer, let's go with farmer, who wants to see what the rest of my crop going to be look like, he's going to examine the first fruit with the question, will it be abundant? Will it be healthy? Will, will there be a big crop? 
The first fruits were indicative of what the rest would be like. Jesus' resurrection is described as first fruits of more to come. Christmas matters because Jesus' incarnation, bookended by the Christmas story and the Easter story, is the watershed moment for all of creation. Before we go there, I want to I say one more thing. I love that Christmas matters because even in, in Mark's story, as Rihanna narrated it for us, the, the messenger says to the women, to Mary Magdalene and the others, says, go tell his disciples and Peter that I'm alive and I'm going to meet you in Galilee. They called out, he called out Peter specifically. You know why that matters? Because Peter had failed. Peter was a follower of Jesus who had failed. He'd made grand promises to Jesus about what he would do, about what his following of Jesus would look like. And he had failed and he was devastated. He was living in despair. He was living in shame. And the fact that Jesus calls him out means that God's disposition towards us, even in our failures, in our shortcomings, when we make promises that we don't keep, his disposition towards us is restoration. We have a conversation. This is, Mark ends without having that conversation, but in the book of John, if you go to the final chapter, we have the restoration of, of Peter and Jesus shows up to him and we have this private conversation between Jesus and the disciple that had blown it. And for all three times that he had denied Jesus, Jesus restored him three times. It's such a, it's a beautiful scene and it shows us that if you're a follower of Jesus who you find yourself disappointed in yourself, you find yourself dealing with shame, with uh, you've fallen away. Peter fell away for a period of time. If you've fallen away, that, that Jesus welcomes you back. That the way in is the way on. That's the, that's the way we say it in the vineyard is the way in is the way on. We got into this thing by undeserved grace and we move on by undeserved grace unearned grace. And so if you find yourself like Peter on this Christmas, having disappointed Jesus and wondering if if Christmas matters, it does. Christmas matters because Jesus' incarnation, bookended by the Christmas story and the Easter story, is the watershed moment for all of creation. Listen to this, the way that Paul puts it in the book of Romans. Listen to what Christmas and Easter means as we think about all of creation. Romans 8. Yet what we suffer now is nothing compared to the glory he will reveal to us later. For all of creation is waiting. We sang about this this morning. The song the worship team led us in is all, all creation is groaning. For all creation is waiting eagerly for the future day when God will reveal who his children really are. Against its will, all of creation was subjected to God's curse. But with eager hope, the creation looks forward to the day when it will join God's children in glorious freedom from death and decay. For we know that all creation has been groaning in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. And we believers, we also groan even though we have the Holy Spirit within us as a foretaste of future glory. For we long for our bodies to be released from sin and from suffering. That's spiritual and physical healing. We long for that. 
we too wait with eager hope for the day when God will give us our full rights as his adopted children, including the new bodies he has promised to us. We were given this hope when we were saved. And if we already have something, we don't need to hope for it. But if we look forward to something that we don't have yet, we must wait patiently and confidently. Christmas matters because your response, whether it's belief or unbelief, that's, that's the two sides offered in the book of Mark. Do you believe or do you not believe? Christmas matters because your response to Jesus' incarnation is the watershed moment of your life. Beginning today, stretching into eternity. So I want to give us just a, a, a time to respond to the message of Christmas. Jesus, Jesus said that this, this, you know, he said, the Son of Man has come not to be served, but to, or not to serve, or not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. What Jesus did on the cross is made available to all, but it's appropriated it's experienced personally. That's why, that's why the, the, the disciples were sent to go tell others and, and, and there's this juxtaposition. Some will believe and some won't. But do you believe? And, and here's the reality. Surrendering your life to Jesus is very simple and it's very grand. Because, this, because we, we come to Jesus and we don't fully understand it. As humans, we can't fully comprehend what Jesus has made available to us. And, and the doorway into life with him, it, it's, it's not fully understanding. Think about this. There, there was a thief on the cross. There was a thief buried, or crucified on either side of Jesus. One thief was mocking Jesus. The other one said to the other from, from, from this place on the cross, he said, don't you see this man is dying as an innocent man? That was his confession of faith. This man's dying as an innocent man. And then he says, Jesus, will you remember me when you come into your kingdom? I see who he is, remember me. And Jesus on the cross says, truly today you will be with me in paradise. That's the amount of surrender it takes to begin this relationship. I'm gonna ask you just to, uh, to stay seated for a moment. But in a moment, I'm going to give you a chance to stand and just to respond. Just, just, because I don't want to leave you to leave here without Christmas mattering to you. Christmas matters to the degree. That not, and there's all the stuff that will be part of this next few weeks. Christmas matters to the degree that you respond to this message. Have you personally surrendered your life to Jesus? In a moment, I'm going to give you a chance to stand and then I'm just going to, to lead us in a corporate prayer. But I want to to identify two groups. One is uh, you may have been around church for a long time. You may have grown up in a family that, that believed in God, that attended church regularly or at Christmas. You may, have, you may have heard this story and been familiar with it, but have you ever personally responded to it? Have you ever surrendered your life to Jesus and said what you did at Christmas and at Easter I want it to matter to me. I want it to matter for my life beginning now and 
stretching into eternity. There comes a point of decision. It's very clear. There's a point of decision where you say, I'm in or I'm out. I surrender my life to you, Jesus. I give my life to you in exchange for your life. I ask you to forgive my sin. I recognize that, that, that I, have, I have sinned against you. I haven't lived my life according to your ways. I haven't done everything I should do and I've done things I shouldn't have done. And there's nothing that I can do to balance that out. But if what you did on the cross matters, if, that's, if that won forgiveness and made it open, please forgive me. And if you don't know that you ever made that decision, simply being in a church family or being in a Christian family, that doesn't matter because Christmas is appropriated personally. It matters when you respond to it personally. And so in a moment, I'm going to invite you to stand. I want to identify a second group because I, I believe that there is some who resonate with Peter. That, that there was a time when you were following Jesus but that wouldn't describe the recent past. Maybe for quite a while now that you haven't been following Jesus and it's time to re-surrender, recommit your life to him. And maybe there's some shame in the way. Maybe there's some, some barriers of thinking like, would he ever want me back? The message of Christmas is that yes, this was never about what you did. It was always about God's love for us. Jesus' call on Peter's life was never because Peter had it together. It was because he loved him. So today I want to give you the chance to respond and say, Jesus, I want to recommit my life to you. Would you enter into my heart again? Theologically, I don't know that God ever left your heart, but, but there's a place of us opening ourselves to him again and saying, come make your home in me. Would you send your Holy Spirit to, to, that I might be a, a mobile temple of your very presence, to be born again? In a moment, I'm going to ask you to stand, and, and I'll say this. Don't, don't be worried about what anybody else is thinking. Everybody in here has had a moment. If people don't stand, it's because we've had a moment like that we've had our chance to personally respond so that Christmas matters to us, to our destiny. I don't want anybody to miss out this Christmas. So with all eyes closed, if you want to respond so that Christmas matters to you today, would you just stand up wherever you are? Amen. Amen. You know, I took you through this story because something happened 2,000 years ago that people have responded to with faith. With, you know, faith is, it's a little abstract, isn't it? It's a confidence of something that just bubbles up in our hearts. I, if the Holy Spirit is stirring you, if you feel like an urge to stand today, Sometimes our mind, I'm, I'm a thinker who my mind can, can wrestle with me and keep me stuck. Sometimes I just have to let go and respond in faith. 
Say, God, if this is true, if this really is true, I want it. I want you and I want you to have me. So before I pray, is there anyone else who wants to respond today? Jesus, I want Christmas to matter to me. Let me ask our, our ministry team, if you if, look around and see if there's people standing, would you go and pray with people, ministry team, pastors, kingdom, School of Kingdom Ministry? Let's just pray and celebrate. I'm going to lead you to prayer, and, and this is not a magical prayer. You can use your own words, but if you agree with me, if you agree in your heart with this prayer, Christmas matters to you today. So Lord Jesus, this Christmas, as I think about what you did 2,000 years ago, not only your death, but also, or not only your birth, but also your death and your resurrection, I want that to matter in my life. I confess that, that I have not lived my life perfectly. I have fallen short. I've sinned against you. And yet if you've made forgiveness available, would you wash me clean? Would you give me a new heart and place your spirit inside of me? Would you give me a new birth, a spiritual rebirth? So that I spend the rest of my earthly life with you and all of eternity as well. Lord, I long for, I sense a longing in my spirit to follow you, to be obedient to you, to trust you to make you known to others. So would you be both Savior and Lord of my life? I give you my body. I give you my appetites. I give you my desires. I come to you with all that I am, all that I'm not yet. With the good, the bad, I, I bring it all to you. And I give myself to you this Christmas. This is my Christmas gift. I give myself to you because you've given yourself to me and I receive you in faith. If you just agreed with me in that prayer, your life is forever changed. And that's something we can celebrate. Church, can we celebrate that? Let's celebrate together. Would you stand with me? And uh, we're going to close with a song. Are we, are we doing joy? Okay, we're going to do joy to the world, which is a, what? It's a Christmas song. Listen to the words of it this time. Listen to the words that we're singing because Christmas matters.
dismissed. We love you. Uh, there's coffee and cookies and hot chocolate right out here, uh, ready for you in Heritage Hall. Please join us. If you still need prayer ministry for any reason, we'd love to pray with you. Come on up under either of the screens on either side, and a ministry team member will meet you there and pray with you for any reason. God bless you. Have an incredible time. We'll see you in Heritage Hall right now. Thanks for listening. To respond or receive prayer after the live stream closes, please email prayer at vineyardboise.org. And if possible, include your phone number. We'd love to get in touch with you. Thanks.